Hello and welcome back to Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm thrilled to have back on the show my friend Grant Baldwin. He's back to talk about his new book, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. This book was co-authored by Jeff Goins, who's been on the show a number of times as well. I was thrilled to talk to Grant again, not only just in general, but about this book specifically. And what we tried to do was cover a little bit of material in the book, but then I know Grant, he's on every podcast right now talking about what's in the book and why the book is important. But I wanted to go a step further and talk about productivity tips that would help somebody who is starting out or already is in the speaker business, somebody who's been giving talks. So I crowdsourced some questions from a few friends who who are already speakers and they've gave me some great ones. So those answers are in this conversation with Grant Baldwin. Enjoy. Well, this week is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Grant Baldwin. Grant, welcome back. Good to be here. I was trying to think, is this second time? It's the second time. It's been a while. Um, it's been a minute, you know, and and I'm gonna. I don't know. You can. You, I have mixed feelings about bringing this up, but I'm going to because it kind of is the. Oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, Jeff Jeff Goins is the elephant in the room. Oh, Jeff. So. Jeffrey. He, how many times has he been on? He's probably been on a he, dozen. He's been on the most of everybody. So of everybody? So, that yes, in, including Michael Hyatt, who I even just recorded a new episode with. So I think maybe they're tied now. I don't know. But, okay. uh, but right. so the debate was, do I count this as an appearance for Jeff or not? Oh, no. No, you don't <laughs> count that. Jeff's not here. No, I don't. I, th- I think you've made the right call there. I think Jeff is going to be tied and he's going to have to come back. So, it is, it is. But, but the reason, obviously, the reason I bring it up is because you've got this brand new book out there called The Successful Speaker. And on the cover there, it says Grant Baldwin with Jeff Goins. And that's the proper way to pronounce that, by the way. So it is. It is. He told me uh, from the beginning that uh, when we first met, his last name rhymes with coins. So Goins. And I don't think you have to whisper it. I'm, I'm, I'm fine to bring it up. Okay. I'm fine good, to good, talk good. about it. So yeah. there's no it's not it's not an elephant in the room to me. I am 100 percent happy to discuss it. So I, I want to go a couple of different places here, and I'm just going to state it all up front so that anybody listening knows what we're going to cover. Uh, a lot of people would be like, OK, well, I've heard Grant on other shows. So why do I need to listen to this one? Well, first and foremost, you and I are going to talk briefly or not about, hey, what was it like collaborating with Jeff on this book? That's number one. Number two is let's get into the book a little bit. Then number three, which is the really cool part is I've got productivity questions for people that want to be speakers yeah. that you may have the answers to. And if you don't like, we'll stump you, but I'm, I'm betting all, all you, you won't be stumped because all you can do is share your experience, but sure. it's going to be so beneficial for people who are just getting started or who are into speaking at whatever, you know, level they're at yep. with it. That I think those productivity questions of how to be productive on the road. And I won't spoil all the questions, but that's, kind of the threefold uh, approach I want to go to. So I'm in. I'm game. Let's go. Awesome. So first up, so what was it like working with Jeff? <laughs> it was great. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I've told him this privately. I've told him this publicly. In fact, uh, I mean, at the time of this recording, the book's been out about a week. Uh, I, I saw Jeff a couple days ago and uh, we got together and, and we were like, dude, <laughs> we did it. We made a thing. Um, and I've, I've told him then, I, and I've again said publicly before, like uh, I would, I would go through the process again with Jeff. I had a really good experience. And so for some, some background and some context. Um, so Jeff, for those that, that, that may not know, Jeff is a, a phenomenal writer has written and published many books, really knows the publishing world really well. And so a few years ago, he had a, a friend he knew in the publishing space who had asked him if, if, he, um, if he knew of anyone who could he had an audience who'd be interested in, in maybe doing a book. And so he, he had mentioned me and he, so he texted me and said, Hey, do you have any interest in writing a book? And I was like, yeah, not really. Honestly, like I, like Jeff loves writing books and uh, I self published a book several years ago. Um, and it's just a lot of work. It's yeah. a crap little word. And uh, Jeff, like Jeff loves writing books. I'm just kind of like, eh, like I get the value of it. I totally see the value of it. But um, there's also no shortage of other things that are good things that, you know, you may just not have the bandwidth for. And that's kind of where I was at with, with the book. And so we, we kind of talked back and forth about it. And he, I don't remember exactly how it came to be, but ultimately it was kind of like, all right, Grant, you, you already have all of this content, all of the, uh, the intellectual property, the, uh, the course material, the podcast interviews, the case studies, the examples, just the experience of, of boots on the ground for years and years as a professional speaker. 
uh, what if we work together and I, uh, Jeff saying this, like I become the scribe and take all of your content and put it into a book format. Uh, I was like, okay, well that, that sounds appealing. And so we kind of, we talked with a, a publisher about it. And ultimately, that's kind of where we landed. And so I remember uh, running it by, uh, there's a couple guys I'm going to mastermind with and kind of asking them, I said, hey, you know, Jeff and I are talking about this project. He's never really done something like this. This is kind of a new thing for me too. So what do you guys think? And they all kind of said like, so let me get this straight. Uh, a publisher wants to give you a bunch of money for Jeff Goins to write your book. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, when you put it that way, <laughs> that sounds good. Let's do that. Um, and so, yeah, fast forward to today. Um, and uh, we're really, really, really happy with the finished product. In fact, uh, I had had someone who'd messaged me and they said, hey, I got the book, read it in one day. It was amazing. Uh, and I kind of was joking with my wife. I was like, I think that's because Jeff wrote it. Like, I think if I wrote it, I don't think they'd be that excited about it. Um, and so I think like, I think what's, what's interesting about this and why I enjoy, I've enjoyed talking about it publicly is a lot of times for a lot of authors, uh, there is a ghostwriter behind the scenes, but it's like this hush, hush, quiet thing. Like you're kind of alluding to that, you know, um, no, no, I wrote every word and I'm happy to say like, no, no, like Jeff wrote, like, I know it's all my content, all my ideas. Uh, we worked together, but like Jeff was the one that was, you know, pen and paper, so to speak, that was making it happen. Um, in terms of the actual, the flow of the book. And so, uh, I think it worked out really well in that, again, I had the content, but just because I had the content doesn't necessarily mean that I'm an amazing book writer. And so it worked really well to partner with someone who was. And so, uh, so you know, I've kind of been half joking, half serious saying like Jeff is basically a, you know, a non ghostwriter ghostwriter for the project, a named ghostwriter. Um, and so even as we were kind of working on it from the beginning, the, the publisher said, hey, do you care if we put Jeff's name on the cover? I was like, no, I don't care. It's fine with me. Um, like, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I recognize like um, it's my content, but I I, uh, definitely view it as a collaborative process. And Jeff was was phenomenal to work with. He's like a tangible ghost. He's not you don't walk through it. He's he's (laughs) present in the room and and not in just that. I feel his presence in the room like, no, he's literally there. I mean, coincidentally, he is a little pale. So that could be part of (laughs) it. We well done. We cannot, well done. Cannot edit that out. Make yes. sure he hears no. that. No, that that that's staying in. Um, and and this is the thing is like uh, as soon as he was teasing this at his last tribe conference, and I don't mean just the last one. I mean the final one, mm-hmm. um, months ago. That this was a thing he was working on with you. And as soon as I heard him say that, I was like, I want that book. And mm-hmm. and then it was a, literally a few months later that you were like, Hey what's up <laughs> and sent me yeah. the email about this. And I was like, of course yeah. you can come on the show. And, and the reason is, is because there's so much to, in terms of creating good work and doing, you know, this content creation slash whatever form that takes, whether it's podcasting, whether it's writing, social media, blogging, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Insert, but speaking is, is, is a, is a vein of that. It's a form of that. And it is a career. It is. And, and I think in, in the same way um, that, Actually, Jeff's last book, uh, Real Artists Don't Starve, this is kind of that companion piece to that thought, that through line of you can do a, you can have a career doing your art. This just happens to be Grant's art. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, I think again, Jeff did a great job with this of recognizing that, um, there are a lot of artists, so to speak, and, and creatives in, um, in his audience and in our audience. I, one of the things that we've kind of recognized is that for a lot of people, there's certainly a lot of people who want to be full-time speakers. And there's a lot of people who come to us with that ambition, but there's also a lot of people right now who are like, I don't want to be a full-time speaker. Um, but I wouldn't mind doing, I don't know, five gigs a year, or 10 gigs a year, but I'm just having trouble figuring out, uh, you know, how, how to find those gigs or how much to charge, what do you speak about or who hires speakers and just kind of like the the nuts and bolts ins and outs of the speaking world. And so for a lot of people, speaking is just part of what they do, you know? So, you know, take Jeff. Jeff is doing a lot more speaking now. And and he said, hey, I want to speak, but also want to write my own books. I want to do some some of these ghostwriting projects. I want to you know, maybe offer courses. I, I want to do, you know, coaching or consulting or any number of other things. And speaking is just kind of one spoke in the overall wheel. And there's people all along that spectrum of, you know, where you're at, where Jeff's at, where I'm at, or they haven't started at all. They've never spoken and they want to, and they feel kind of like they have something to say, something they want to share. You know, they're in those early stages of questioning whether or not, whether the thing that they have, they think they have to say is something somebody else would want to hear. So mm-hmm. kind of getting into the content of the book, let's just talk here a little bit about, you know, what do you say to somebody who is trying to just get started or isn't maybe is maybe even on the threshold of questioning whether they could 
Yeah. So inside the book, we walk through this five-step process that makes the acronym SPEAK, S-P-E-A-K. Uh, so I'll give you kind of a high-level overview, and then we can kind of dig in wherever you want. But uh, the S is select a problem to solve. This is the the most important, most critical piece. And this is really the kind of like building a house. You know, if you get the foundation right, then the rest of the house tends to go up pretty smoothly. But uh, if, if you just kind of rush past this, which is what we oftentimes want to do, then we're left with um, a foundation that, that's kind of shaky and rocky and, and uh, hard to build a sustainable business upon. So you have to get really clear on two things. One is who do you speak to and what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Now, the mistake that a lot of speakers make, and not, this isn't exclusive to just speakers, this is, tends to be the case with entrepreneurs in general, is that we want to throw the net as far and wide as possible. And so we say, you know, who do you speak to? Well, I, I, who do I speak to? I speak to humans. I speak to people. My message is for everyone. It's like, eh, that doesn't really work. Uh, and in the same way, if you were to ask someone, you know, what do you speak about or what's the problem that you solve? I said, well, what do you want me to speak about? I can speak about anything. You know, I can speak about uh, productivity and time management and leadership and change and sales and marketing and parenting and family. Like, Even if you know something about all those things, you're passionate about all those things, if you try to position yourself as that, it just doesn't work. And so one of the things we cover inside the book is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. The steakhouse and not the buffet. What we mean by that is, is Eric, if you and I were going to go grab a, a steak, like we have a choice. Like we could go to uh, a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or we could go to a steakhouse where they do one thing, but they do that one thing really, really well. And so they don't do tacos. They don't do pizza. They don't do lasagna. They do steak and that's it. And so that's what you want to be as a speaker. Not just, a, again, as a speaker, but just as, a, as an entrepreneur in general. You don't want to be the buffet where it's like we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. It's like, no, no, we do one thing and that's it. So first part again is the selecting a problem to solve. The second part, the P is to prepare your talk, prepare your talk. So here's where we dig into the weeds on uh, creating and delivering your talk of interacting with a, with an audience of slides of doing Q and a with an audience of storytelling, humor, all of the, the ins and outs of that. The E is establish yourself as the expert. And so this really comes down to your marketing marketing materials. So you have two key marketing materials that we talk about. We talk about a website and a demo video. If you don't have a website, you don't exist. People will not take you seriously. Uh, and a demo video is basically they need to see some type of uh, just a couple minutes of footage there to uh, get a sense of, of who you are, what you speak about, how you communicate, and whether or not you're a good fit for the audience. Uh, and then the A is acquire paid speaking gigs. Now, again, this is the part that people want to fast forward to. That's the part I'm interested in. I want to I want to book speaking gigs. But again, if you're not clear on this is who you speak to, this is the problem that you solve, you're not clear uh, on the talk itself and how you're going to present that solution, you don't have a website or video, then it's going to be hard to ultimately book gigs. So uh, in the A, then that we dig into the, the weeds on uh, how do you actually find and book gigs? You know, when it, when it really comes down to it, what do you do? You have your website, you have your video, but nobody cares. So what do you do at this point? Uh, and then the last part is the K, know when to scale, know when to scale. So like I touched on earlier, uh, there's people who are interested in speaking, who want to speak full time and other people who want to do it as part, as a piece of the pie of everything else that they may have going on. So, um, so yeah, that's the big picture overall of the speak framework that we, uh, we cover inside the book. I love it. And again, that's so easy to remember, especially since it's about the word speak or, or speaking and it's that acronym. I love that you've done that. And I, I want to go back to this, uh, idea of, uh, being, being, you're supposed to be the steak. Is it Zen like that in some way? Sorry. I'm <laughs> mm, delicious. just making me hungry. Is what be it is. the steak. I want to be the steak. Uh, oh, not the buffet. And, and I love that. And I, and I just wonder, is that why some people it's like, well, do you need to pick an industry or a topic? Some people are like, well, what if I just pick one and not the other? Does it matter? You know, how, how narrowed down, how niche do I need to be? Yeah. So for a lot of people, it's uh, of the of those two sides of the coin, uh, figuring out who you speak to and figuring out what's the problem that you solve. A lot of people are clear on one, but foggy on the other. You know, so for example, someone may, someone like yourself may say, okay, I'm interested in speaking about time management or productivity. So I know what the topic is. I know what the problem is that I'm trying to solve, but who do I speak to? Because again, you can make the case that, well, this is like, this is important for everybody. Like this is important for everyone. So how do you start to narrow that down? And so again, you start to, it's easy to fall into the trap of, well, I mean, everybody needs this, so I might as well try to speak to everybody about that. But again, if you try to speak to everyone, even on a, on a niche type of topic, then you become this this uh, this person that really doesn't know any one given market really, really well. So let me give you an example. 
Um, and, and she probably doesn't want me sharing this, but, uh, I've shared it on another interview, so I'll do it here. <laughs> uh, so about a week and a half ago or so, my wife had a hysterectomy and she had been really sick the past, uh, the past previous weeks. And she'd known for a couple of years ago that her doctor said, Hey, ultimately someday you're going to have to have this done. So yeah, but uh, almost two weeks ago. So she had that surgery now going into the surgery and she's meeting with the, the doctor and the surgeon. We have a choice. Like, like we could go to a general, like her general doctor, her, her, primary care physician who they're a doctor. They went to medical school. They, I don't know, maybe they performed a few surgeries here or there. They probably know more about the human body than any of us combined. Uh, but have they ever done a hysterectomy uh, versus the doctor who ultimately did the surgery uh, has been doing this for 25 years, like day in and day out. They just do hysterectomies. And so as a speaker, this sounds weird. You want to be the hysterectomy speaker, right? You want to be like, <laughs> I solve one specific problem for, like, you don't go to that, that surgeon who just specializes in one thing and say, Hey, um, can you help me with my cough? Or, Hey, I broke my arm or, Hey, can you look at my brain? I was like, no, no, I do this. And I do this one thing really, really well to solve this one specific problem for this one specific person versus trying to be all things for all people. Because I, I know for, you know, if there's going to be a doctor, uh, operating on my wife, like I want that doctor to know, like, no, no, I am the best at this. The other thing to note is because like this is a doctor who specializes in one thing, they can charge a premium for that, right? Versus saying like, no, nah, I'm just kind of a you know general doctor and I can help you with anything and everything. So again, you you want you want to be the hysterectomy speaker who focuses on one specific thing. Now the other thing that I would I would give kind of a caveat on that is that I think oftentimes it's easy for for us to overanalyze and overthink. Again, in this type of situation where, well, I want to speak to you know on time management or productivity, and it's it is really for humans, right? Um, and sure. You could certainly make that case, but let's pick a starting point, you know, so let's start by thinking through uh, your background, your experience. So you may say, well, I come from working with with uh, in the digital marketing space. So I'm going to focus on on productivity and time management specifically for digital marketers, right, or something like that. Um and so it's, but then you're like, but, but I, but I could do all these other things. No, 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 I get that. But we're trying to just pick a starting point, right? So a way to think about this is it is much simpler to steer a car that's in motion versus a car that's in park. What I mean by that is most people tend, because this part is important, we tend to overanalyze and overthink it. And we think, I don't know, what, well, what about this? And what about that? But, but I could also do it for this. And I could also help these people. What if, well, what if I speak to this and I could also do this topic? And we just way overanalyze it. And so what I'm asking you to do is to not get a tattoo of this. I'm not asking you to make a permanent decision. I'm asking you to pick a starting point to say, okay, I'm going to speak to this audience and solve this problem. Now, that may change and evolve over time, but let's start with that and see what happens versus just continuing to sit on the sideline and overanalyze to the point that you end up doing nothing. I love that because that's going to give you clarity of thought, which is definitely one of the things that you need, uh, clarity of thought, clarity of action, clarity of what the next task is. It's all right. of those things that kind of you, you get out of the way, this whole, well, I'm going to procrastinate on things because I don't know what to do next. No, you've narrowed it down. Now, you know, it's focus on this one thing. The rest of this stuff you have. Sure. You have this idea for a talk on, you know, one other aspect of productivity. Great. Yeah, oh, oh, and that one too. Great. They're not the next step. They're next steps down the road, but they're not the next step. So you can take yeah, that next step now. Because there's also kind of a balance there between like what you're passionate about and what people actually hire speakers to talk about, right? So just because you're like, man, I am deeply passionate about, um, you know, creating to-do lists using this one specific type of pen and this one specific type of paper. It's like, that's great, but that may be too niche to the type of thing that, or to the point that like people are like, I, I mean, we're interested in productivity, but like you're way in the weeds on this to the point that nobody's looking to hire you. So again, there is this balance between what you're interested in and what people are actually hiring speakers to talk about. Now, let's say that you say, okay, I kind of picked my starting point and I am, uh, I'm starting the car in motion. I'm starting the ball in motion and I'm starting to have a bunch of people say, Hey, you're, you know, we hired you to speak on this or you did a great job, but can you also, can you do something on this? You know, we talked a lot about, um, task management, but, um, we are really struggling with, with scheduling and calendars. Do you have any like teaching or training on that? Oh yeah, actually I do. And you find like people are regularly asking you, can you just help us with calendars and scheduling? Like we're having trouble there. Then you absolutely want to pay attention to what the market's saying. Like I, I, 
started on path A, but I'm getting a lot of uh, people who are asking me about path B. So I'm going to start to kind of pivot and move that way. Again, that's kind of what we're talking about. Of Once you kind of get into it and you get the ball rolling, then you also start to get some of that real-time feedback from people of what they're looking for that you may be able to pivot and kind of adjust to and, and other things that you could potentially speak on. Well, and going back to the steakhouse or steak versus uh, the buffet, this is an instance where they hook you with the amazing steak that you know this place has the best steak out of anywhere. I wonder what else they do that's amazing. Yeah, and there's there's absolutely like a, a caveat to that, again, that, that you don't want to go too far outside of your core competency. And some of this also depends on what it is that you are trying to accomplish. Let me give, an ex- let me give you two examples of this, okay? One is um, you're up in the Indianapolis area, right? That's right. I'm drawing a blank, but there's some big wig steakhouse up there. Isn't that like St. Elmo's or something? Yeah, it's St. Elmo's. Okay. I've never been there. Um, so I'm, I'm completely making this up. Uh, but St. Elmo's is supposed to be like one of the top steakhouses in the country. Is that right? Yep. And they, they've been around forever. Is that fair? Yes. Okay. So there's again, a movie, there's a movie, St. Elmo's fire. I'm, I'm <laughs> shooting in the dark here. So I'm hoping I'm getting some of this right. But my assumption is like, they've been in, they've been around for a long time. They've done one thing and they've done that one thing well. And so part of them is like, all right, we're St. Elmo's people love us. People know us. We're one of the best in the country. So man, we should open a, we should open a taco stand. Right. So could they do that? Like, sure. Hypothetically, but there's also something to be said, like, Nah, we're just going to keep doing our, this one thing, the one like dance with the partner that brought you like, this is the thing that, that got us here. Let's keep doing this and continue to be the best at that. Right now, let me give you another example. You look at a company like Nike. Now, today, Nike is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar company that will put a swoosh on anything that they possibly can. But that's not how they got their start. They got their start by creating uh, one specific type of running shoe for collegiate long distance runners, like this niche within a niche type of thing, right? We are going to create this one specific type of running shoe for this one specific type of athlete. Now, they did that for a little while. And then eventually they're like, okay, we've got, we've got some traction here, like literally and figuratively. And now what we're going to do is uh, we're going to create a, a basketball shoe and now let's create a, a running shoe. Now let's create an everyday kind of walking shoe. And now let's create uh, basketballs. Now let's create hats and t-shirts and, and what else can we put swishes on, you know? And so it evolved to what it is today, but they got their start creating like this one specific thing and it kind of branched out from there. So it's not that Nike is any better or worse than a St. Elmo's. Like they both work. They're both effective. Ultimately, it's kind of you got to determine what it is that you want to do. But the point being is you don't want to say, well, I want to, you know, I want to speak on motivation and leadership and change. And, and and time management and productivity to everyone. Like maybe someday you could try to pull that off, but for now we can't do that. We're going to focus on one specific thing and then we can evolve and pivot from there. We're going to dive deeper into some productivity questions that pertain to speaking in a moment. But first I want to say thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. First up is better help. And if there's anything right now that people need, it is help. There are so many reasons to get connected with a professional counselor right now more than any time before. And it can feel like that's an impossible task to do if you're stuck at home or can't get out or shouldn't get out. But this is where BetterHelp comes in by connecting you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. Because BetterHelp is online counseling that's there for you. You can do it on your own time because our schedules have to be flexible. You can do it at your own pace. You can schedule a secure video video or phone call session, plus chat and text with your therapist on your own time. And these licensed professional counselors specialize in things like depression and stress and anxiety, relationships, family conflicts, grief, even sleeping, and much more. Everything you share is confidential. And if your counselor is not a fit for you, you can switch at any time with no additional charge. And again, you've got multiple combinations of communication modes with texting, chatting, phone, video, and it's on desktop, mobile web, Android, and iOS devices. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. This is secure. This is convenient. This is professional and affordable. And right now, Beyond the To-Do List listeners can get 10% off your first month with discount code BEYOND. So don't wait. Now is the time to get started with this. Go to betterhelp.com slash beyond. Use the discount code code beyond there you'll be able to fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs get you matched with a counselor you'll love again that's betterhelp.com slash beyond discount code beyond this episode's also brought to you by brain fm speaking of public speaking like we have been in this episode i was just at a conference in san diego and then flew across the country to a speaking gig in orlando florida with my friend jeff c and jeff and i were both using brain fm constantly to de-stress 
to relax, to deal with the plane. And Jeff's been using Brain FM to learn to meditate longer and longer. He's challenging himself to grow to, I think he's at 12 minutes right now. But that's yet another use for it. But again, I've been talking about Brain FM constantly because I use it all the time. It gets your brain into that state of focus if you need it, or relaxation, or just to kind of wind down or even get into deep sleep. And again, meditation like Jeff's been using it for. You can use it on your desktop or in an app. You can even download sessions to use on the go. That's how we were using it on the plane. Or if you're in a place with bad Wi-Fi, you got to try it out. You can get 20% off a full year. You can try it by getting five sessions for free. Go to beyondthetodolist.com slash brain FM. That's beyondthetodolist.com slash brain FM. Find out what all the fuss is about because I just can't stop talking about it. The benefits have been amazing. Again, beyond the to do list.com slash brain FM. Well, this is a perfect place to pivot into the productivity questions that I have for you. So, what productivity tips do you have when you're researching one of these new topics? Like suddenly you're like, I have something to say about this. It's in my wheelhouse, but just outside it or just far enough out. I need to do research before I actually start talking on it. How does that process work for you? Yeah. So what you're trying to do here is a little bit of market research, just kind of validate and figure out, is there an actual thing here? Like just because I'm passionate about it again, like we talked about, does it actually mean that people actually pay speakers to talk about that? So what I would do is two things. One is I would, I would spend some time browsing around on on Google and see if you can find other speakers who are doing something similar and doing it in a way that you want to do it and who are a step or two ahead of you. Now, let me break down everything I just said there. Okay. Look for speakers who are doing something similar and doing it in a way that you want to do it. Meaning if you say, you you know what? I want to do like uh, small workshops that are like, you know, full day workshops on the topic of time management. I want to do this for companies. Okay, cool. That's going to be a little bit of a different thing. And then someone who says, I want to do, you know, one hour keynotes for a thousand people teaching. Here's my best three, you know, time management strategies. Both are effective. Both work. There's potentially speakers for both of them. But you want to look for, all right, what's the type of thing that I want to do? And then the last part of that is to figure out, again, people who are a step or two ahead of you versus if you said, okay, I want to speak on, you know, motivation. So, um, you know, let's see what, what what Tony Robbins is up to. Tony's a a, a motivational speaker. So what events is he speaking at? Like, okay, we're talking about two totally different things there. So look for people who are a step or two ahead of you versus like light years are actually speakers who are speaking at, at the types of events that you might be interested in and that you would be a good fit for. So if you're browsing around, you're like, I can't find any speaker. Now that the the tendency is that we're like, this is perfect. This is an untapped market. I'm going to be the first. No, 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 no. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people who are already doing it because it proves that it is a thing. If you are looking for for uh, other speakers and you can't find any and you're like, oh, no, no, I'm going to be the first. It typically means if there's no other speakers, there's a reason that there are no other speakers. Now, you may say, OK, I thought I was going to be focusing on productivity, but I'm actually finding a lot of people who are are, are hiring speakers to talk about, um, you know, specifically on calendar management, you know, or something like that or project management. So I actually think I could do I could do something there. And it just gives you like, instead of like this huge course correct pivot, but it's just kind of this slight modification. So that'd be one thing is to look for other speakers who are doing something similar. And the second thing I would recommend that you do is uh, there's three parts of the equation of who do you speak to? What's the problem that you solve? The third part of the equation we didn't really dig into is where do those people gather? Where do those people gather? If you are going to be a speaker, then there needs to be a crowd or an audience that you would be speaking to. So if you're going to be speaking, like what what's the type of thing that those people would gather? So if you said, you know, I want to teach um, digital marketers about productivity. Awesome. Are there any natural gatherings where those people go to? Are there any conferences or events or associations or groups or trainings or things that they they are attending or they're a part of that you would be a good fit for? And again, if you're kind of looking and browsing and you're like, this is perfect. I can't find any. No, no. If you can't find any, then there's, there may not be any or enough opportunities for you to be able to do this versus if you're like, man, I can find no shortage of opportunity. This is awesome. That's great. That's really what you're looking for is uh, other things where you're like, I would actually be a good fit for this. Now, again, you have to be have to have some self-awareness and be realistic because if you're looking and you're like, oh, this is perfect. There's this big national conference and I'm a brand new speaker just getting started. Surely they're going to hire me as a keynote. You know, probably not. But if you're looking, and you're like, no, I could see how I could do, you know, a keynote at this small conference or here's a workshop at this type of event. Uh, and you can kind of see like, here's some actual possible options that I could speak at. That's a good thing. That's that's what we're looking for. So yeah, it's absolutely worth doing a little bit of market research just to figure out what realistic opportunities exist that you may be a good fit for. 
Well, speaking of where people gather, if you're somebody who is crafting a new talk, do you do like a stand-up comedian where you go do, quote, a set in front of people or do you rehearse by yourself or in front of friends or, you know, nightclubs? I don't know. Like, how do you get started crafting a new talk out of a new topic? Yeah, great question. So there is some element of the um, of what a stand up comic does in that whenever you are creating a talk and you're writing it out on a, on a typing it out on a screen or whatever you may be doing in terms of how you create it. And we dig into this into in the book in terms of like, how do you actually create a talk? You know, I have a concept of what I want to speak on now. What? But uh, whenever you're creating that talk and it's read, you're like, I, I think this is ready to go. You are making an educated guess on how you think the audience will respond. I think this is funny. I think this will work. I think this will make sense. I think this will resonate. But you have no clue until you get up in front of an audience. And then once you get up in front of that audience, you get that real-time feedback of, oh, I thought that was that was meant to be funny and it was not funny at all. Or I didn't intend that to be funny and it was funny. Or that story worked really, really well. Or that story didn't get near the reaction. Or uh, that this point that I told, that actually needs to be toward the front. I had it toward the middle, but I need to move that up. And you can kind of like rearrange some of the pieces. So think about it. Like again, if we go back, uh, if we go to St. Elmo's for... for steak or we go for whatever their signature dish is there. Uh, it's probably their signature dish because they have made it thousands and thousands and thousands of time. And it's just darn near perfect versus like the first time you're kind of creating, like you're cooking a dish and you're like, uh, I think we need a little bit more salt. Or we need a little less salt. Or we need a little bit more butter. Or we need to cook it a little bit longer. Or we cooked it. We cooked it, uh, took too long. And you're just kind of like making all these like modifications, uh, to get the finished product. And then you're, you're making the, the tweaks and adjustments. So yeah, you're, you're creating a, a talk. You're delivering it and doing the best you can, but then you have to make some of those, those tweaks and adjustments as you go. And so one thing I would recommend is if you are someone who is giving talks on a regular basis, that you're not doing a brand new talk every time you speak, that instead you are, uh, you're creating a talk and, uh, you are, uh, you're ideally giving that talk multiple times. And so each time you give it, you give it, you are getting that real time feedback that makes the talk better. So, for example, if you're giving a talk you've given a thousand times already, you're still looking at it as there's room for improvement. How did this audience react? You know, was this I I should maybe pull that story or that joke? It's it's a living, breathing thing as a talk. And so it's just that the new one starts off with less uh, feedback and, you know, timing and experience having uh, been put through that process so far. That's exactly right. Yep, that's exactly right. And so um, and so there are times and and this is this is not like a uh, not every speaker does this the exact same way. So some speakers say, hey, this is the talk and this is the exact talk I'm going to do. Take it or leave of it. Uh, but most speakers will modify like 10 to 15, 20% or so where they are, you know, if you're speaking on, let's say you're speaking on productivity and time management to digital marketers, and that's the audience you're used to speaking to. And then someone in the audience is like, Hey, that was really, really good. Can you come, you know, speak at this college uh, on, on productivity? Well, the, you could, and the principles and ideas that you're speaking on may be the same, but you might want to like modify, uh, you know, any of the, the case studies or the examples or the stories or um, any of the reference points that you're using to make sure it's, it's relevant to that specific nature and in industry that you're speaking to. So those would be like the pieces that are kind of, um, you may be tweaking and modifying a good, a really good example of this is there is a documentary called comedian. Have you seen this? This is a great movie. I love it's that so movie. Good. It's Seinfeld. So good. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so I, uh, last I knew it was on Netflix. So by the time someone's listening, it may or may not be there, but, uh, but basically, the premise is that uh, when the TV show Seinfeld ended, uh, Jerry Seinfeld was and still is, you know, a touring stand-up comic and uh, does a ton of of shows per year. And so, basically, after the TV show Seinfeld ends, he's working on his next special, the equivalent of you know a Netflix type special that we would see today. And so, oftentimes, people assume like, oh, someone just you know hops up there and Netflix records it and they're funny and they tell some jokes and it all works out. And like the reality is, like, there's a ton more going on behind the scenes of how it actually comes to be. And so after the show ends, uh, he's working on his next special. And so he's kind of going from a little setting to a little club to a little venue, uh, trying material and testing it out. And some of it's working really well. And some of it's like, it's just bombing. And it's just not, it's not funny at all, but it's just not working. But that's kind of how the, like, so to speak, how the sausage is made is you're practicing stuff. You're getting the feedback that worked, that didn't work. And so then it, it kind of just follows his per, his process and his journey to the point where he does this final stand up special. But it, it wasn't again, like, yeah, I just made up some stuff and scribbled some ideas on a nap and hopped up there and it all just magically worked out. No, no, no. It was like a lot of work and practice behind the scenes uh, and testing stuff and 
and refining stuff to the point that what you saw was the finished product. But there's a lot more that went in to get to that point. And one of the cool things, by the way, uh, it is on Netflix currently as of this recording. Uh, just wanted to let you know that I Googled something while Grant was talking, but I was listening, um, which is what a lot of people do when the speaker's up on stage. Like they've got their phones out. They're taking notes. What? Let me leave me alone here. Uh, no but anyway, I wanted to deliver value to the audience. So I looked it up and yes, it is there. One of the one thing, one of the things that I want to note about that specific documentary is it doesn't just follow the expert Jerry Seinfeld. It also yeah. follows uh, Arnie, whatever his name is. Yeah, this, this, yeah. He's he's Dude. just trying to get started. And it, to be honest, I just don't. I, I didn't. Li- you don't. You're, I don't know if you're supposed to like him or not. I don't like him as much as watching Seinfeld. But but the point here is that it's the comparison and the yeah. contrasting between the two of them, where uh, Jerry's the expert and this guy's the newbie. But at the same time, they're almost both at the same place, just starting out all over yeah. again. And yet Jerry's expertise, or I should say experience, uh, is, a, is a definite uh, plus on his column. Yeah, yeah. That, that documentary does not paint that other uh, comedian in a great light. <laughs> no, not, um, not really. I heard an, an interview recently with another comedian, um, and they were talking about that. And they said that actually that that Orny guys is actually a really good comedian, a really good guy. Um, and they said at the time, I don't know. I don't remember. If it was like if the documentary didn't paint him right or like, yeah, he was a bit of a jerk early on and, and it's matured quite a bit. But yeah, nonetheless, hopefully again, hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, getting sure. started out. Maybe you are a jerk at first, but then you change it around. But anyways, uh, but one, and so one of the other things that speaking kind of has in common with, uh, you know, stand up comedians is this idea of potentially being a road warrior where you're out on the road doing your thing. And my question to you is, is I know you do a lot of speaking, but over the years, how is it that you are able to, you know, recharge your energy in between speaking sessions? I mean, do you structure your schedule to where you're flying in, you do your thing, and then you're out again? But I've seen, you know, your schedule. I've seen John Mm -hmm. Acuff's schedule, for example. I've seen John Acuff, you know, here locally a couple of times, and, Mm -hmm. and he's, he's in and then he's out, or he's on tour with like a conference that he's, part of and, and there's yep. different ways of doing that but uh, but ultimately the nut of the question is still like in between and you know preparing and then coming down from a talk assuming you're you're quote you're doing your a game and, and leaving it all out on the field so to speak or the stage mm-hmm. uh how do you balance that energy of being able to perform well yeah, that's a great question. So, yeah, there are a lot of different layers of this. Uh, some of it depends on you know just your your schedule and how many gigs you're doing. So, um, uh, like uh, at my busiest, I was doing around seventy gigs a year. Uh, I remember we we met up in Indy uh, years yeah. ago when I was I was I think I had a gig in the area, and so there were times where it would be going like from city to city to city over the course of a couple of days. And so, um, you know, as much as you may want to kind of hang out, um, you may not you may not have an option on that. You may just you know you speak and then you head to the airport and you're heading to the next thing. Um, now, ideally, most of implanters don't want a speaker who's just going to fly in, you know, parachute in, do the thing, and fly out. Um, like you want to be able to to hang out a little bit and to interact with the audience. And sometimes they, sometimes it depends on the context. Like sometimes it's a conference where they want you to interact with the audience. And sometimes it's like, we need you to come in, do this one hour session. And then we got to go, you know, we're back to our own business and, and we don't really have any spot for you and you are free to go. And that's also fine. You know, so some of it depends on the event, but you, you absolutely have to be aware as a speaker that speaking, it can be very, uh, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally draining. Uh, and so you're on stage for, you know, 45, minutes or an hour or whatever it may be and you come off stage and you kind of have this you know euphoric high but when it dies off like you are just exhausted at least i am typically yeah uh, and so you got to be aware of that so it's can't uh, i also know that like, i am a very i'm a relatively introverted person so i i enjoy being a stage i enjoy being in front of people and and speaking but uh, I also know that afterwards, uh, a lot of people want to have conversations and to you know, ask you questions or whatever. And that's fine. That's a lot of fun. But it's also it can be very tiring. So you you just have to plan for that um, so that you're not just kind of going from thing to thing to thing and and massively running down the batteries. So for myself, one of the things I've recognized is 
uh, especially before the talk, uh, I want to make sure that I that I'm well rested, that I'm drinking a ton of water, that uh, I'm not, uh, you know, just because a conference offers a bunch of you know sessions or things to do or networking opportunities or social things, that I'm not going to every single thing. So by the time I get on stage, I'm exhausted. Uh, I don't want to do that. I want to make sure that I am well aware that the reason I'm there is to give a presentation, and so I need to make sure that the presentation is uh, that I'm at my best. Because if I if I hang out with everyone and I'm a social butterfly, but my talk sucks, um, then I've not done what they hired me to do. So I want to make sure that that part is is taken care of and then I'm well rested and, and prepared for the presentation itself. Now, I know this is all circumstantial because, you know, again, some people are going to have the ability to, over time, build up that reputation to where they've got a stint of, uh, I'll call them gigs, uh, <laughs> of, of speaking engagements, rather, across a couple of different cities and it's like sure i'm gonna go ahead and you know jump in do this one fly to this next one and then this next one and then i'm done for the month or done for the you know two to or the quarter even yeah, and, that, yeah. and and again it's all circumstantial depends on what your goals are what you're trying to get out of this but ultimately it's a real thing but how do you remain productive when on the road like say your team needs you to like you know hey you've got a bunch of emails that only you can respond to or yeah. is it all about relying on the strength of your team if you can build that up around you to you know, whether that's through VA or local people or, or, or your wife or your wh- whoever, you know, so yeah. what what's been your approach to that? As a speaker, there's a lot of um, people think like, oh, man, the, the like the, the speaking part is amazing. And yes, there is like the amazing part. But there's also like a lot of dead time, a lot of downtime, a lot of waiting around. A lot of sitting in airports, a lot of sitting on airplanes, a lot of sitting in hotel rooms, a lot of sitting backstage, a lot of just just waiting, waiting for your for your <laughs> thing to waiting for your opportunity to, to hop up there. Um, so you do have some of those moments where you can be paying attention to, you know, catching up on an email or working on a project. And so I try to make sure like when I'm home, I want to be home. I want to be fully present with my family. I, you know, I may have some projects or things that I'm working on, but uh, I want to make sure that I'm I'm engaged with them versus when I'm on the road, I can play by a bit of a different schedule, meaning that if I'm home, I'm not uh, I'm probably not on my laptop, you know, working on emails at, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock at night versus if I'm on the road and it's just be me by myself, then I've probably got a little bit more leeway to, all right, I can, I can work a little bit later. I can, uh, I can, you know, answer a few extra emails here that I may wouldn't have had otherwise. So recognize some of those spaces. One thing I also try to do is before going on a trip is what are the things I need to, um, that I know I need to do while I'm on the trip, you know, that I know, okay, I know I can answer these emails while I'm on the plane. I know I can respond to these things while I'm just sitting there and I'm kind of a, a captive audience. Um, or I know that I got these 10 emails I got to answer. So I know, um, you know, I finished the talk in the afternoon and then my flight's not till tomorrow morning. So okay, I know I can knock these out tonight while I'm back at the room. Uh, but just kind of like looking through your schedule and thinking those things through and kind of being a little bit proactive, just on planning side of it, um, but also recognizing like you can sometimes get more done when you're on the road because you don't have any of the other you know family or personal commitments that are pulling at your at your time or attention. Um, but at the same time, like being on the road, it like I said, just the travel alone, it can feel glamorous, it can feel sexy at times, but it can also be just it's just tiring, you know, uh, when you're kind of bouncing around from time zone to time zone, or you are not sleeping in your own bed, or you have just kind of different schedules from you know, uh, flying or driving or whatever it may be. Um, it's you just kind of you can kind of get out of your your routine. So I think a lot of it is just kind of thinking through and being aware ahead of time of uh, what you need to do to make sure you're you're maximizing your time. I have always thought that it's funny that uh, you know phones go into airplane mode and then that's when you don't get disturbed and and get more done. For me, I can't get anything done on a plane. It's too cramped. It's too crowded. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. please just distract me with a movie. Uh, while I am flying. That said, I've also been able to burn off uh, nervous energy in all those waiting times uh, by purposely sitting down and, 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 you know, again, it's all about being ahead of your schedule and taking a look and, and, you know, obviously being flexible when you have to be, but maybe sitting down and saying, okay, are there any fires? Nope, there's no fires, not by me or not by anyone else who has to, you know, there's nothing needs to be put out. And I've replied to certain things and that's all done. And okay, cool. Well, then I guess now I know for certain I can go fully pay attention to wherever I'm, wherever I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I would say if you, 
you know, if you have an assistant who can help with some of this, that's fine. But even if you if you don't, just setting up some um, some autoresponders of, hey, I'm traveling or I'm speaking, and so it may I may be a little bit slower to respond, and so give me a day or two or what, and just like setting the proper expectations. I think all people like people understand that and recognize that. And you also just kind of like doing your own kind of triage as you kind of scan through your emails because there's going to be emails like eh, I can wait a day or two to respond to this. Um, so you know, next time I'm at the airport and I've got a minute, I can do this. But uh, all right, this one I need to respond to right now like this is an important one um and so just kind of again doing a little bit of triage there to determine what what needs to happen now and what can wait let's pivot here a little bit so we're talking about teams uh you know i'd kind of like for maybe to paint your picture of what your team uh looks like for you this is again not going to be the same for every single person for a lot of people it's going to be just them starting off uh like when they start off like i'm assuming that's how it was for you but how do you kind of, this is a different kind of scaling. How do you start with, it's just you, and then you add people in and you kind of scale and you pick the right people? Yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, at this point we have, let me think here, we have about, I think, 14 people. Um, they are, uh, a majority of them are contractors to varying degrees. Some of them are, you know, 10 hours a week. Some of them are uh, 30, 35 hours a week and are probably in that uh, somewhat of a gray, a gray area. Um, and so we probably have cumulative I guess maybe around eight ish employees, full time people. And so I think it's important to note, like, for whether you're trying to think through like building a team or, you know, booking speaking gigs, that everyone starts at zero. You know, I think sometimes it's like, well, how do you get to 15 or how do you get to, you know, 70 speaking gigs? Like, but there was a time that was zero people and zero gigs. And so you go from zero to one. Uh, and so don't try to feel, don't, don't feel like you, you know, look way down the road of, of, you know, hiring a bunch of people or having people do a bunch of things. Um, you may just think about, like I mentioned, there's a bunch of people on, our, on the team that are all like very part time. And so in fact, my very first hire was, uh, me recognizing that I could do, I did a good job on, uh, the speaking and on the sales part of it, but there's a lot of like logistics and, and contracts and travel and that sort of thing that I didn't, I didn't have to do. Like someone else could do that and kind of keep up with that and manage all those moving pieces and, and juggle those balls. So, uh, was able to hire someone who was just a purely a part-time contractor, stay at home mom who helped me with like that one thing and helped with contracts and helped with details. So basically, uh, I would book a gig and I'd pass the baton and say, okay, this is Lisa. She's going to handle everything from here. And if you need anything, just connect with Lisa and I'll see you in a few months and do the gig type thing. Um, and she was phenomenal. She was great. And I, I didn't need a full-time person. I didn't need an employee. And so she, when I was busy, she was busy. And, and, uh, when I was slow, she was slow. And so that was exactly what uh, I needed at the time. Um, so versus like, okay, I, if I'm going to hire someone, it has to be a full-time person. It has to have a bunch of benefits and it has to, I have to have an office. No, no, I've, I've we have a bunch of people now and they're all remote. I've never had an office. I don't want an office. I think one thing that's important when you're thinking through, you know, whether it's speaking or just building your business in general is that you get to decide the rules of the game. Like there, there's nothing, there's no right or wrong way to do it. You know, where I live, I live outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee and, um, Dave Ramsey just built a new headquarters. That's five minutes away from where we live. So I pass by it on a regular basis. And, um, he's got, he's got over a thousand people working there. It's a huge company. Um, they do significant revenue and I drive by that. I've, I've uh, a couple friends that work there and I've had a tour of the place and like, it's really cool, but I'm also looking at it going like, I don't, I don't want that. Uh, and that's fine. It's not that one's better or worse than the other, but you got to be clear for you, like it, what it is that you want, uh, without feeling like you have to, you know, build this massive thing overnight. So yeah, I, I think big caveat would just be like, don't feel like you have to hire a bunch of people super fast, uh, that you, you ultimately need to go at a, at a pace that makes sense and is comfortable for you. And this goes back to how we started off this conversation really with the whole buffet mentality of you don't need to be thinking about how big you're going to scale the thing, you know, years down the road, you need to think about being the best stake in town first and yeah. foremost. And then as things come up, you scale. Yeah. It reminds me, um, uh, I don't remember where I heard this, but um, the expression of you know life or building a business or whatever you want to call it is kind of like driving a car at night. You can only see as far as the headlights will show you, but you can you can drive hundreds of miles that way. You know, so like if we look at right now from like a, a planning standpoint. Uh, realistically, I know what the next, you know, week or two, few weeks looks like. I've got a bunch of things on the calendar coming up. We just booked a trip in a few months. Uh, so I can kind of see that, but like, you know, six months, a year, couple years, five years, 10 years, like, 
yeah, you can make some, uh, I have some rough ideas of here's kind of what I'd like life to look like, but man, we have no clue. There's zero clue of what's going to happen between now and then. I can only see as far as the headlights will show me. So whenever it comes to hiring, whenever it comes to building a speaking business, whenever it comes to doing whatever, you can really only see so far in front of you, but you can make the entire drive that way. You, you don't have to know how the whole thing is going to play out. You don't have to know every single step of the journey to know that, all right, I can only see this, but I'm going to take the next step. And now I now the lights shine a little bit further. And so now I'm going to take the next logical step versus feeling like, well, I got to see the whole map before I can take any step. No, no, like you, you are never going to be able to see the whole map, but you can take the next logical step for you. So I think that the next logical step for anybody listening is to grab a copy of The Successful Speaker. And by the way, I wanted to say this up front, but I'm going to say it now. One of the things that I love is you've got endorsements here from so many of the people that are speakers that I love. Two in particular is uh, Scott Stratton. And Jay Bear and Scott says that like this is the handbook. Like this is the way to learn how to do the not only the craft but the business of speaking. I think that succinctly <laughs> delivers on what the promise of the book is. Is that I mean this is how you're going to create a speaking career. It, it's just that simple. And and right. I'm so glad that you and Jeff partnered on this. And uh, this is going to be a dog-eared, you know, gone through book in my immediate future for sure. Cool. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, it's uh, we want it to be something that can be a, a a guide and a handbook that people can use for you know years in the future. So there's going to be sections and chapters that may not be relevant now, but uh, in another you know couple months, like all right, I mentioned booking gigs and oh, oh dang, now all of a sudden I have uh, a potential opportunity, and they ask me how much I charge, and so now I need to fl- you know flip to that part of the book and figure that out. Or um, I got a talk coming up in a couple weeks, and I'm starting to work on. So should I use slides? Okay, I'm going to flip to that section of the book and and go through that. So it's definitely something that you can go through cover to cover, but it's also something you can kind of use as a handbook to refer back to as uh, as you build and grow your own speaking business. Grant, uh, is there any special place you'd like to direct people to? I know it's wherever fine books are sold, but like specifically to maybe they're not quite on board yet. They want to learn more about the book uh, beyond yeah. this conversation. Where would you like me to send them? Yeah, everyone can go to thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. That's where uh, you can download a, a couple of free chapters and um, we've got a couple of free bonuses there as well if you go through there. Um, but yeah, the the book is the, the Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, Building, building Your Platform. And uh, yeah, book is out everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Grant, thank you so much for being back and hopefully I'll see you uh, soon in person. Yeah, man. Always good to catch up with you. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation I had with Grant Baldwin. Whether or not you're a speaker or not, I know I got a lot out of going through the book as well as talking with Grant. If you're interested at all in speaking, this is the book for you. I'll link it up in the show notes, which you can find at beyondthetodolist.com slash 316. That's also the place where if you're so inclined and got something out of this episode, would you do me the favor of sharing it with somebody you know needs to hear it? Whether you're over there on the show notes or you want to just hit the share button here in your podcast player app of choice. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to support it by giving it a rating or a review wherever you do that for other shows that you like. Thanks again for sharing. Sharing. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode.